1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Hello, my name is Jake and Orton, and this is Peculiar, because church people are weird. Hello, and welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Jake and Orton, and today I have another interview for our Peculiar People segments, and my guest today is host of the Stay Podcast, pastor of Harvest House Church, and Sturgis Jesus Name Pentecostal Church, and also probably one of the primary things that uh, will have some effect on how this interview goes, my dad, Pastor Daniel Orton. So, to start things off, why don't you just uh, tell us a little more, a bit more about who you are. Well, as <clears throat> you said, I am Daniel Orton. I am, I have been preaching for as long as you have been alive. <laughs> yeah. I accepted my call the about six months after you were born, after running for about five years. I've been raised in church all my life, fourth generation, Pentecost. Um, I wasted some of my young years, but thank goodness I am um, not where I was then. But as you said, we pastor Harvest House. We started that church almost 17 years ago and about March I got a phone call from a neighboring city that said hey would you come help us keep the doors open on this church so we've been there since March and things are going pretty well and I got a beautiful wife and two awesome children so <laughs> and I just want to do everything I can to see people saved so I'm surprised uh, you mentioned two beautiful children. You didn't mention a grandson. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, let me rephrase that. I got three incredible children, counting my son-in-law and my grandson. Yeah. yeah. Corbin Alexander. Yeah. Um, and there is the common question I try to ask uh, every interview so far. Have you been called weird for the way you live your life? Oh yeah, a few times, um, especially since we started pastoring this other church, and man, me and your mom both are still working. Yeah, like y'all are crazy. What are you doing? I wonder that myself sometimes, but I know that you know we're just trying to see people saved. So, and yeah, I've been called that a few times. Yeah. Uh, it, what I find interesting is so many of the answers that I've gotten to that question so far have been, oh yeah, the people I go to school with or the people I work with. This time the answer was actually the other church people in my life. Yeah, it has been. Uh, now, when I was younger, of course, I've yeah. been called weird a few times. I get... I guess probably one time it sticks out. I was a senior in high school, and I had this guy kept kind of 
harassing me and giving me issues and talking about, well, why do you go to church all the time? I don't understand. And so I went home and took a few days and learned the verse, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. And um, went back, I remember being in the bathroom, and he said something to me again about it, and I quoted that scripture to him, and he let out some curse words and said, man, you really are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And and that story's interesting because that's kind of the whole gist of this podcast that you have started. What is it that makes you willing to stay in church? It's kind of the whole gist of it. Well, um, it started out as the fact it's just how I was raised. And I just knew, okay, I had to go to church. As you know, it's the cliche, the funny thing people use all the time. You know, I didn't have a choice. My mom and dad had me on drugs. They drugged me to church. Yeah. But the older I got, when my children, you guys got older, I realized, man, I've got to, I've got to do something. I got to make sure I figure this all out. And then you start pastoring a church. You realize you got people that you got to try to help make heaven your home. You know, I, I just realized that just. God saving you and God fixing this life is not going to keep you in church. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it too many times. People come to church for whatever reason. They may come for the broken family. They'll come for a healing. They'll come for financial breakthroughs. And once the Lord heals that, they're out the door. Yeah. But it takes more than that. And what keeps me is the fact that I know it's not about this world but it's about the next world. It's about eternity. Yeah. One of the things I've seen so much is even if it's not some thing that they're wanting, it's I'm going to come because my best friend is coming or yeah. I'll come because my girlfriend goes there or my boyfriend goes there. And the minute that that relationship hits a rocky patch, yeah, something will uh, mess with that. Um, but one thing I, I find so interesting now you talk about staying in church and of course you're saying it's more than just um, staying attending church yes it's, it's more than just when I say church it's not going to the church I, there's a guy that's coming to the, the Sturgis church his name is uniquely enough his name is Alpha Omega Fry uh, we call him AO a whole lot but he actually posted a little short video and he was talking about uh, go to church and he said you are the church and and I think that's what people don't realize that we are the church but the byproduct of you um, being the church is you're going to go to church yeah that's just the byproduct of it and people don't realize that they think oh you just want me to come to the house of God and give your tithes and whatever give my tithes to you and and um you just want me there for that reason, you know. No, no it's not about that, you know. It's that people got to realize that it's got to be more than just going to that building. It has to be every day. So, yeah, there's this trend that I've seen a little bit about here and there, talking about working. Uh, this trend called quiet quitting, and it means I'm going to come 
I'm going to do my job, but I'm not going to do anything more than you pay me for. Yeah. I'm going to do the bare minimum of what it takes. Uh, and, and I heard one guy telling the story. He said, um, okay, yeah, but when I did the bare minimum, I got fired. He said, then you didn't do the minimum. Yeah. <laughs> you you did less than the minimum. Uh, but anyway, it's so many people tend to have that same idea. I'm going to do the bare minimum of what it takes to be considered church. Yeah. Um, so what is it... Why is it that people should do more than the bare minimum? Well, um, when it, it's kind of like... Uh, who is it? John Maxwell says if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people view it like that it's um, I don't remember exactly where the scripture at Paul talks about it uh, if it's grace <clears throat> it's not works if it's works it's not grace it's something to that nature but <coughs> basically you know he's talking about well if it's it seemed like it's work to go to church grace is not involved mm-hmm. but if Grace is working in your life. It's not work to you. And it's when it seems like it's just something to fix this life and it becomes only that, then you're going to do just, you're going to do enough to keep the pastor off your back. You're going to do enough to keep the devil off your back. Because I've seen, I've seen it. It's people. They'll come to church almost like they just want to get a fix. Mm-hmm. They'll come to the house of God or, They'll have some dilemma happen in their life, and then all of a sudden they'll start, um, oh, I, I need to get to praying again. I, I seen a post today of somebody that was talking about something other happening in their life. And I told my wife, I'm fixing to get back in church. We're going to do this, and I've heard this individual say this multiple times. And part of it is the fact that they said their their one of their vehicles tore up they got to put it in the shop so it's time to get back in church and we see people it's just it just becomes a fix my emotions are broke down my finances are broke down my marriage falling apart so i come and i just need him to fix me for this moment and once it's fixed okay i feel better it's kind of like um it's kind of like medicine you know if you go to the doctor and he gives you uh, penicillin or some type of penicillin for um, strip throat. I remember doing this as a young kid. They give you 10 days of antibiotics. If you don't take it all, they'll tell you, take it all. Because if you don't, you're going to get what they call a back set. Mm-hmm. We take enough to make us feel better and then we don't take the rest of it and all of a sudden here it comes back again. Yeah, This is what people do in church. It's a fix. It's not a lifestyle. It's not something beyond this world. Uh, now, I've noticed you've got a lot of Facebook posts, but even before the podcast ever started, where you put on the end hashtag, church attendance matters. Yeah. But there's all those people out there that say, oh, as the quote you said earlier, don't just go to church, you are the church. And since I am the church, why does it matter if I'm go to church if if i if i'm being the church at home what's it what's it matter if i uh if i just catch a live stream or a podcast or this or that well um 
in our modern day, we are so busy, we don't actually get to hang out with everybody as much, and nobody is an island. And if you try to be an island, you're going to end up finding yourself in a whole lot of trouble. We need each other. And even on your best day, you're human. And beyond that, I'm maybe slow words here because I'm looking for a scripture. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, they, it talks about it. Um, verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and breaking bread and in, and in prayers. They continued in that fellowship. You need the fellowship of your brethren. That's where your strength comes from. Well, people get the idea, well, oh, I'm, you know, why do we go to church? Well, we go there for fellowship. We go there for strength. It's like gas, It's like the gas tank. You know, we go in there and fill our gas tank up. We get strengthened. We get the Word of God preached to us. And the truth of the matter is, not everybody is going to live on that high all the time. So you go in there and you can draw strength off of somebody else. And again, I'll say this. It's just a byproduct. It's your, by most reasons, it's the place that you were born. Yeah. And I don't know how many kids uh, don't go back to mom and dad's house. It's almost like that, you know. You go back and celebrate being back home, so. Yeah. That, that's, uh, you know, you, there's a tendency. I, I, I've noticed it. Um, you're using the mom and dad's house thing. I, I've noticed there's a... There's this big tendency of, uh, well, I, I want to show up and I, I think we were talking about it. Just get together once a month. Let's let's eat the steaks that you make and yeah. Let's eat the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I've noticed among uh, Bethany in Texas. They they they're not they're not in the house, but. When they get the chance, they're here. <laughs> Especially if there's food involved. Yeah. They're going to show up. And, and, so, and that is why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> and and that's one reason a lot of people don't show up at the house of God, because they're not hungry, because they're full of junk. Mm-hmm. And the only time they do come is um, when they've when this worldly stuff finally runs out on them, and it's like, okay, i got to do something. i got to get something inside of me. So... Um, that happens so often. Yeah. Um, now another thing that I, I I was talking the other day and uh, mentioned something I'd heard somebody say, and it just kind of sounded like it went against a whole lot of what I'd heard. And he was talking about the importance of being able to make it on your own. Yeah. Now I acknowledge. You're going to face battles where sometimes it's going to seem like you're on your own. But how could that be? How could that mentality be dangerous that I need to know how to make it on my own? Well, it's the verse in Ecclesiastes where it talks about, um, help me with the verse. My mind went blank with it. You know what I'm talking about? Woe to he who is alone when yeah. he falls. When he falls. Um, two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Yeah. If you've got somebody else to help pick you up and pull you up, 
because you're going to face things in life that that you can't do it on your own. You got to have somebody else there to help you. You need each other. Jesus sent them out two by two. Yeah. He didn't send them out alone. So you need each other. And I know there's some things in life you got to do on your own, but we need each other. I mean, it just follows the principle of submission. Even I mean, we got a lot of pastors out there that. They pastor churches or preachers, but no, I don't need a pastor in life. I don't think so. You need somebody to help. You need checks and balances in your life. Yeah. And that helps you. And, you, and the, beyond the checks and balances, they also will strengthen you and help you too. So um, I think that's the importance of it. Yeah, I feel like one thing I've noticed is that the people that I know that have made it stayed past the days that I was in youth group that I was in a youth group that I was a teenager the ones that I've seen that have stayed have been the ones who made sure they were connected to somebody and the ones who've disappeared it's also been because they were connected to somebody yeah absolutely who were they connected to you you kind of talked about connections on uh, one of your more recent episodes. Yeah. So, um, can you just kind of summarize what what do you mean when you say connections? Well, uh, <clears throat> and give me a second. I'll pull okay, something up yeah, here with you it. Had a, you you got some stuff going over there. Yeah, so. I'm, you're. I'm uh, kind of going back and forth with some of my notes I got in front of me, but <laughs> um, the importance of it is. In the book of John, chapter 15, verse 5 through 7, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. The man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them to the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. And... Connections is so important because ultimately we got to be connected to God. Yeah. And if you, me and your mom talked on that particular podcast, and at first she wouldn't know exactly what I was talking about, but um, I believe when you first get in the church, it's important to get uh, connected to some people that yeah. keep you connected to God. Um, now, you can't stay connected to them. Uh, for instance, I remember... I don't know if I told it on one of the podcasts or somewhere here a while back, but several years ago when we were still going to start Bethlehem, our home church, there was a church, the pastor left, was not too far from the home church. And a lot of the people came, there were several people that came from that church to start Bethlehem after the pastor left, because that's just what people do. Pastor leaves, they leave a lot of times, because that's their connection. That's their only connection to the church. And so when the pastor left, all of a sudden I seen these people. I'm like, I always envisioned them being super spiritual people. And then I started seeing and realizing, well, they're kind of unstable. What's going on? And I realized their main connection to the church was just to the pastor. Yeah. And it can't stay that. Now, we need, you know, as you said, somebody invites you. Yeah. All the time, somebody invites you to church, your friend, your mom, your brother, your sister, whatever. That'll get you connected to the church 
but the whole purpose of the church is to get you connected to God. Yeah. We are grafted we are grafted into the kingdom of God and we have to actually get in there and get so connected with God that we know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear us as apostolics are afraid to use the personal relationship stuff so much. You know, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you know, that's kind of <clears throat> used so much. But the truth of the matter is that's what we do have to end up doing. Yeah. And you got to get so connected to God that uh, it's going to be hard to rip you away from him. Yeah. And if we're not, um, if we don't get to really know him, you won't be connected to him. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've seen that so often. Someone comes to church, and it it may even seem like you're making some headway, and they're growing and doing this or that. But then, the person that initially got them there was a girlfriend. I'm sorry, connections. I said connections. You actually, your mom was on with relations, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, connections. When I done on my own, yeah, yeah. But But. yeah, so often they'll have this um, idea that they'll come in, they're connected to a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and then lo and behold it didn't make any connection other than that and they broke up and you never see them again yeah yeah I, I, I told in that podcast something I heard several years ago about the Arab man from from England um, an Arab man had visited England and how they said what do you want to take back with you He's, he took them to, to the bathroom and said I want these faucets yeah. where we can have running water anywhere mm-hmm. and what he didn't realize is well, them faucets are connected to lines, and them lines are connected to a reservoir and a water source, and and this is how people is. I want that Holy Ghost, or I want I want that kind of blessing, but that comes with a price. It comes with a connection to God, and um, if you're not willing to pay that price, you're not going to get it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's like you know, I mean, your mom been married thirty years, and I, you know, social media is is you can learn a lot of things on social media if you'll look at it and learn to take it for what it is some of it's just crazy but as I've seen a single person posting multiple times as of lately I want this in a relationship mm-hmm. and it's like well you can have that if you're willing to pay the price I mean, your mom been married almost 30 years, so we've had to pay a price to build that relationship and that connection. Yeah. That'll keep us together. That keeps us together. Yeah, I mean, it's the story Bishop told about, uh, he preached a message, and he had these items out that yeah. had represented his relationship with God. He had old preaching tapes he listened to, and he had a bunch of old notes he had written and kept up with the word of God. Then he had a wooden altar that he had built and kept in his own closet for a prayer closet. He said, and afterwards the young men came up and uh, they they were all like, oh, I want this preaching tape and this preaching tape. Can I have this one? Can I have this one? Can I have some of these notes? Can I look at these notes? And he said, but no one was ready to grab the altar. Yeah. And he said, if you want the ministry that he had 
got to get pay the price that it took to get there. Yeah. Um. I I, probably, I may not quote it exactly right, but I heard Brother Cody Marks today has listened to a phenomenal sermon that he preached today <coughs> about prayer and altars, but. I want to think it was him that I heard say this. I used to listen to a couple of sermons a day, so sometimes they blur. But he said, um, you've got to be careful in walking in places you've not prayed. Mm. And and that's something that's very true. And, and prayer will bind you to that altar. You can't just have that altar. That's why people didn't want to go grab that altar because... There's a price to pay on that. Jesus said that we were living sacrifice, and you know that's why there's horns on that altar in the Old Testament altar. They had to bind that sacrifice to that that uh, altar to where it couldn't get up from there. And that's what so that's why so many are not they don't stay on an altar. They have nothing that's going to bind them to it, nothing that's going to keep them connected to it. And we've got to be willing to have some sacrifice in our life. And then bind that thing to that altar. Um, have an investment in the church, and that, I think it's why so many people. There's nothing to l- latch them to the church. They don't pay tithes, so they don't feel like there's no investment. They don't spend no time volunteering in the church, so therefore they're not invested in the church. It's like it's, it makes people's made it so easy to walk away because they don't have that connection, and. There's not, there's no sacrifice in that church. They're not, they're so, and, you know, it's like I, I was talking about, I don't know if it was in that that episode or the other one here a while back. I, I got a different management at the shop I work at, and in the last few years has not been as easy to, to work there. And part of it is I just made it hard on myself yeah. with the wrong thinking, but uh, had a job opportunity presented to me. I never even applied for it or nothing, but it's like, man, your mom talked about it. She said, well, what's the advantages and disadvantages? So I'll, I saw all of a sudden, I said, okay, well, it'll be about the same money. But then I said, but I'll immediately lose four weeks of vacation. And I stopped right there. I didn't have to go no farther because I realized that four weeks vacation right now to me is priceless because I need them four weeks off through the year to be able to survive. And that's something that's got me connected, you know, that seniority. It's like, all right, never mind. <laughs> uh, there's, um, there's this theory out there called the sunk cost fallacy, where it talks about the idea, I've put this many years into this. I've put this much time into this. I need to see this thing through just because I've put so much time yeah. into it. Now, sometimes the point of that is to say, okay, look, just because you put a bunch of time into it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to stick with it. However... Yeah. That's <laughs> what Bishop... However, it's a whole lot harder to stop something when you put a bunch of time into it. When I was talking to Bishop last year, was talking about the church, was concerned about where the Harvest House Church was going, and he made this statement, and he said, Son, sometimes it takes more faith to go than it does to stay. I was like, Wow. Or which is one anyway, both ways with it, you know. It's yeah. just sometimes it takes more faith to leave. Than it yeah, to, it takes more faith to leave than it does to to stay, and sometimes it takes more faith to stay. You know, I don't know, but yeah. Now, of course, we are operating off the basis that staying in the church is the right thing, though. Yeah, 
However, there's this idea that some people got that I've put 50 years into being a center. Why should I turn around? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess that all depends on what you want your um, your reward to be. Yeah. Because that's the beautiful that's the that's the incredible thing about this. When you look at the the parable of the guy who went out to get the workers in his field mm-hmm. to the one that he got at the first hour paid him the same as he did as the 11 hour and uh, they got the same payment and uh, we're going to get the same payment either way whether you've been in sin for 50 years or never been in sin hardly at all we're going to get the same payment for sin and the same payment for living for God and when I look at those two it's not a hard choice to me even if I put 50 years investment in sin well, I'll put the rest of my life investment into uh, salvation because the benefits are a whole lot more, a whole lot better. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what's so important is realizing when you're somebody who's like me, who's been here. And honestly, one of the things um, that has kept me is just the fact that uh, I heard a lot of people say that the reason that I never back, that they never backslid I think it was Aaron Bounds who said this. The reason I never left the church was because I saw people come come back to the church. Yeah. And they realized I should have stayed. Yeah, this... And here's... Especially as a... If I could... I don't know how many young people listen to this particular podcast, but if there's a young person listening to this, I was a youth pastor for many years, three or four years. I started teaching Sunday school when I was 18 years old, I don't, to the teenagers, I don't advise that to nobody, but I did. Been there. <clears throat> yeah. I don't advise it to nobody, but done my son like that. But anyway, um, but I've seen enough people with huge talents and some of the most talented young people I've ever seen walked away from the church and they're still trying to get back in and struggling and their talents are wasting out with an exception brother or sister Brittany Baldwin now she left the church and come back but right now I don't think anybody needs to be thinking about leaving we're getting too close to the end that's for sure we gotta get something that's gonna bind us to the church Uh, that's that's kind of you got the idea of the parable that Jesus told about the five wise and five foolish virgins, virgins, and they they went out and they said, "We don't have enough oil to make it." They said, "Well, maybe if you run to the town, run into town, you'll have enough time to get back." Yeah, they did not have enough time to get back in time for the wedding, and that's what we're up against right here. Yeah, time is. Time is not our friend at this moment. If we're trying to get sinners in or if you're a sinner trying to get in, time is against you. That's what I actually preached to the Sturgis Church Sunday was uh, for a limited time. I actually preached at Brother Dustin Lee's church, but I preached it there Sunday. And we don't have a lot of time left, so we need to get in here and stay in here. Yeah. Um, Brother Bounds told his story about the reason that he never left was because he saw people and they uh, came back and said, 
start that it wasn't as good out there. For me, one of the reasons that I, I remember why I first decided, okay, uh, I, I saw these people coming back and I was like, they're <clears throat> 30 years old getting the Holy Ghost for the first time. I can wait till I'm 30. <laughs> I, that's what yeah. I was thinking as a kid. And then, exactly what you said, people kept on pushing. The end's coming soon. And I'm just like, do I have till I'm 30? Yeah. It's, and I, I know when I was when I was your age, I thought the same things. But goodness gracious, there's so many things lining up right now. And and you know, as as a pastor, uh, I see so many people, and they they scare me to death by their lifestyle, whether it be in the church or out of the church. It's just scary. I don't, people's got to find something that's going to have to get a hold of them and keep them. Because time's running out. Um, one of the big things for me is that it just seems that so few people seem to catch what it is, catch the urgency in there. Yeah, um, that brings by this scripture a few times I used on that that um, one podcast, but it's Colossians 3 and 2, set your affections on things above and not on things on earth. And I think that's why people have to struggle. People's affections are for the things of earth and not on the things above, which is eternity, which is God, which is heaven. You know, somebody posed a question one time, if God never answered another prayer, would you still pray? Would you still go to church? Would you still worship if you never failed him again? And if your answer is no, then your affections are has to be on feelings and earthly things. It's not on... I don't think God would do that to us, but I will tell you, I went a year one time without feeling God. It was a scary place in my life. But, um, and it was because, um, you know, God asked me to do something and I didn't do it. (laughs) And God said, all right, let me show you how it feels for a year and I feel you. And I remember when that broke, it was incredible. It was great, but we got to get our mind on God. We got to get our mind, we got to do something. Get some super glue. Get some gorilla glue. I don't know, but and that glue is is being getting tuned in to the fact that this life is just temporal. Yeah. So one one of the key things you're obviously <clears throat> stressing is you need people, uh, but also you're saying you need prayer. Yeah. There, there is so, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go through many things on the podcast, but I think that the bottom, the bottom line, the key probably is the connection. Yeah. Whatever it takes to connect you to God. Sometimes that's prayer. Sometimes that's the word. Sometimes that's the church. Sometimes that's, uh, that's your victories in your life. I mean, sometimes that's going to be your trials. Because God lets the trials come in there to, to keep you. Um, you know, if some people didn't go through some of the things they went through, they wouldn't be in the church right now. And people realize that and they catch that. There's so many things. It's all together. Everything we can to keep us connected to Him. And um, that's relationship. And knowing Him. Trusting Him. Believing he was, He's who He says He is. He's God. 
He's our father, and he loves us. And you, you were. This was not been on the podcast. This was conversation between me and you. You, you said, you know, I had some stuff I had in mind that I was going to talk about, but I just can't seem to get away from this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so what? What exactly is it that's shifted that perspective for you? <sighs> I, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I keep wanting to go to, you know, I keep wanting to go to prayer. I keep wanting to go, even, you know, I'm planning on to record one tomorrow and put it down. I would probably was going to try to go to prayer and this and that. And, and yet again, I'm going to go to something different. Yeah. Once again, to, on the next podcast, and I probably, I'm going to talk about just being real. Yeah. Being honest. Mm-hmm. And these are key things that hinders prayer. Our connections hinders prayers. Our relationships hinders prayer and a Bible reading and and all this stuff. But um, I don't know. I guess it's just a bigger subject than I thought. Lord willing, I'm going to write a book about this one day. <laughs> now, now, there you go. It's right, marked right here, 3642 on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so That is if you and your mama will <laughs> critique it and rewrite <laughs> half of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just remember, you know, Justin Gleason interviewing Brother... Uh, brother josh herring and yeah when we invited brother gleason onto our podcast he said brother herring we're waiting for that book yeah it, it takes longer than you th- yeah <laughs> than you might think to do some of that but yeah uh, i i believe it's a well needed topic that definitely need more and more people addressing because we've got this day and age we're in and it's hard. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a church, we've got to figure out how to shut the back door. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not meaning shut it to where people can't just physically get out, but um, figure out how to keep people from sliding out the back door and keeping them in there. Yeah. And sometime, some way or another, we've got to tether them together with God to the point where if I'm not around, they can stay saved. And that's what on seeing so many people uh, yeah I, I I was talking to someone recently and they I, I was asked them what 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 do you want from God what do you want to happen his answer was I want to make my pastor proud now yeah. I, 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 one of the most important things I heard somebody somebody um, asked a youtuber and was talking to him and he, he he asked him, he said, uh, if you die, what would you want to be the first sentence that you hear when you make it to the afterlife? One guy, he said, I would want God to tell me I was a good dad. The other guy said, no, I want to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we need to be looking for. It's not about making pastor proud. It's not about making youth pastor proud it's not about any of that it, we want to make God proud yeah yeah and and honestly I I think it has to be more than that than just trying to make him proud he just wants us to love him yeah and I think it's more than anything because you can try in a relationship you can so try so hard to please somebody that you'll make them that you won't please them yeah and if you just love them, and this is what God's looking for, love him, be real, 
Uh, you're not going to shock God with anything you say or do. He, he knows who you are. He just wants you to be willing to expose yourself before him. Mm-hmm. And um, take his, he wants us to go back to that Garden of Eden relationship where we can stand before him naked and unashamed. So why is it that it is so hard to tell someone that already knows everything? Everything. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's perception. People's perception of God is is messed up. And somehow we as the church have got to change that perception that he loves you. He's not looking for a reason to send you to hell. He's got that. He's And he's got a way to, to get you to heaven. So we just got to somehow figure it out to get people to understand that he loves you. And he just wants us to love him back. And just fall in love with him and um i may deal with it in a podcast at some point i have in sermons i don't know if i'm ready to put it over something like this yet but i know that me and your mom's relationship really growed tremendously when finally when i became honest with about about something and uh, that dealt with our relationship before we got married and i apologized to her and and just a moment of real honesty comes between me and her and that's when um, our relationship really really grew so and, and sometimes it's so hard for us to realize I, I mean that just comes honestly one of the biggest things that that comes with is I know but I know from this end I've been in enough relationships where I was thinking, oh yeah, everything's awesome right now. Yeah. And there's no way, I, I just don't know how this could possibly go wrong. Sitting here single with no picture of a future relationship, obviously stuff went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously stuff went wrong. So it's so easy to think on this end, what problems could we possibly have? And But so often it takes making it through those problems and sometimes it takes you 20 plus years yeah, to realize was, what you're actually going to go through yeah we had been married probably me. 23 24 years so i'm talking five six years ago when when finally that that happened which basically something happened to bethany and it just opened my eyes up to something i'd done to her it's like oh my god I'm the reason you've dealt with these emotional issues. A big reason you've dealt with so many of these emotional issues for the years, these years. And for 30 minutes, I cried uncontrollably and apologizing to her in, in a moment of honesty. And I have been on a quest since then to be a very honest with myself. So this this is a little prelude to what I'll be talking about in my next podcast again. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I, there is one thing I can kind of relate to on that point is realizing it it doesn't seem real until you see it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, for years, I have obviously um, been... I, I, I have loved kids for my whole life and all that. I, I like kid, little kids and all that. Um, and I, I cared about them and this and that. Uh, I, I felt like I stood against uh, abortion and all that kind of stuff but it just never felt like a real issue until the day that I saw the ultrasound from yeah. Corbin yeah 
it was a totally different issue when I realized. And then even when I saw him and when he was first born and all that, and it was just a different feeling realizing that's talking about him. Absolutely. That moment when three o'clock in the morning on January the 18th of 1996, when I got to hold you before your mama did, she's still, <laughs> she's still mad about that. And, uh, holding you in my arms, sitting there thinking, Oh my goodness. How could anybody not? How could anybody want to destroy something like this? So yeah, that's, that's precious. Kind of, kind of that picture of you just need to make it through some time. You need to have some time to grow and mature, and you'll see things from a different perspective as you get further along. Like I, something in me always had a feeling I'd go into ministry, but I always I was like I don't know when it's going to happen, this or that, but on that night when I felt God calling me, I was like, oh, so this is how it goes. Yeah. But you don't get there if you don't stick around. No, not at all. You gotta, it's, it's important to stick around. Uh, yeah, I was actually, uh, I told this story in a sermon that I preached on stay. Uh, I, I just called it stay and uh, I'll share this real quick here if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so a guy and his friend are at the baseball game. Their team is losing. So the one guy says, I can't stand any longer. I'm leaving. He gets up and leaves the ball game. He finally makes it home, turns on the television to find his friends on TV. The news announcer says to his friends, congratulations, you got the winning home run ball and also won a million dollars. The news announcer said, says, tell us how, how did this happen? The guy says, it called for seat number whatever. And that was my the seat of my buddy, and he had just left the game, so they took the next one, which was my seat. <laughs> the news announcer said, I bet your friend wished he, had, he, he would have stayed now. Yeah. And, and I find that funny because I, I picture that story that I heard you talk about so often uh, when you was getting frustrated watching the basketball game. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to sleep. There's no way they're winning this. You wake up the next day, found out it yeah. was one in multiple overtimes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That it's just there's power. Just sticking with it, even when it don't seem that it's gonna work. Yeah, and I, and I know that Einstein's got the he tells the definition definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over expecting the same results now that principle doesn't always apply to some spiritual things I've seen that yeah you can keep praying for the same thing you can keep showing up you can keep doing some of these things and um, it it will work you stay in the church it it will work it, it applies when you're talking about shooting a basketball in the same way in the same spot it applies when you're talking about trying to hit a baseball in the same way at a batting cage it doesn't apply when you're digging for gold no and you just gotta just go a little further and you may just hit it and the truth of the matter is it's a matter of choice it's a matter of choosing you know people I fell out of love well they say you can't fall out of love you choose to stop loving and now people can become unlovable and it makes it harder on that choice and it's the same thing that happens with living for God we go through tests and trial and it makes it harder to serve him 
But them things are the things that makes you stronger too. We have to make a choice. I am going to serve God just like Job did. Even though his wife said curse him and die, he said, I don't think so. I can't do that. So what is it? If you had to pick one thing, what was it that made this decision stick in you that I'm going to stay with ministry, I'm going to stay with God, and I'm just going to stay with this message? Uh, eternity. If I had to pick one thing, it's knowing that I know what the end is. Maybe it's, maybe it's not just one thing. Maybe it's a two, two-fold thing there. It's knowing that, I mean, you know how it feels when those real God moments happen in your life. And I, I believe that anybody can relate with that, even some of your sinners. When you know God was in that situation, God was involved in that, you know how you felt. You know how that that feeling, whether it be warm, exciting, whatever, that moment, when I think about that moment, that for eternity, it's that unconditional love you feel, that that fatherly love that you feel, and knowing that this life is so short and so brief. And I'm 51. I'm fixing to be saying I'm 52 before too long because it's coming fast. Just a little less, a little more than three months, I'm going to be 52. And my life is half over, well over, half over. And I've realized that and it's not too much longer. This life will be over. Yeah. And eternity, spending eternity in some of the best church services, spending eternity in some of the greatest God moments I've ever had, and realizing that love, yeah. I'm going to feel forever. That's that's it right there. Yeah. Uh, for for a long time, for me, I feel like the true truth of the answer was my that what what's made me stick is realizing realizing who my papa is, realizing who my memo is, realizing you and mama and what I woke up to in the mornings hearing mama praying. But there have been enough moments since the over the course of the last honestly three years. Yeah. And that for me, I believe, is the moment that I was like, This is for me and not it's not just because of Papaw, Memo, you, Bishop White, or whoever else. Yeah. You, it's it's the moments when I'd like to say that everybody that's going to the church is passionate is going to make heaven. The truth of the matter is, God come back right now. I don't think they all would. That's a scary, sobering fact. But when I think about Jack that come to church and he loved God, we baptized him as filled with the Holy Ghost and just shortly after that got cancer and died. The fact that if I didn't stay in church, Jack where would he be? Or a John Autry, even though he's passed away at an early age, but I believe he's in heaven right now, or Donald Ewan. You can name a few more. And just seeing that, knowing that that difference can be made in somebody else's life. 
that's worth it too. Seeing as we are compassed about with so great a cloud yeah. of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. So easy beset us. Yeah. Run with patience. The race set before us. All right. I think we're probably about ready to wrap up here. It's getting a little late. and <laughs> Doing this at the last minute of the night. But, and we both got to be at work in the morning. So. Yeah. Um. If you could just want to leave everybody with one last thing, make sure that they hear what's the message. Tie yourself to the horns of the altar. Become that living sacrifice. And make sure that nothing breaks your connection with God. Because that is the devil's desire. He wants to break that connection between you and God. Because if he can do that, he can get you away from... If he can put enough space between you and God to where you can't feel his presence or there's enough distractions between you and him, then he can get you away from the church. So you got to make sure you stay on that altar, tie yourself to it. And that is a choice. You decide, I'm going, every day you get up and decide, I'm living for God today. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to act right. I'm going to treat people right. Do whatever it takes to stay connected to God, and you can, you'll can you stay in a church. I think that's probably the key. You just got to stay connected to Him, whatever way. Whoever makes mad, whatever it makes mad, whatever you got to get rid of, whatever you got to throw away, whatever you got to delete, whatever you got to do, you've got to stay connected to him because if you don't, you're not going to stay. Yeah. And we can't afford. No. We can't afford to stop now. Mm-mm. We got to keep going. Praise the Lord.